Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. For more information or resources, go to www.igateway.org. All right, church, let's go ahead and find our seats. How many are ready to dive into the book of Revelation this morning? (laughs) If you are um, in the foyer, come on back in at this time. Uh, If you're outside, let's come on back in. Let's go ahead and get ready. But um, I have a, there's a box of cereal. Can I have that box of cereal? Anybody hungry this morning? Come on, I, I do have one weakness, weakness. It's my kryptonite. It's called, uh, it's called peanut butter. Uh, Reese's Pieces, come on. I mean, it's, it's, it's addictive. But when you look at this box of cereal right here, does anybody, can anybody tell me what, what do you think is in, in this box right now? What, what would you expect when you open this up? Sugar. What's some other ideas? Flour. Peanut butter. And if I was to open this box right now and I poured it into a bowl and it was broccoli, would that be weird? Because you're you're looking at what it's actually telling you is in here. Peanut butter poppers. And you would expect that. And can I tell you with the book of Revelation, it's very often like that. It tells you right at the beginning of the book that it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And so when we're looking into the book of Revelation, let's begin by realizing that we should expect Jesus Christ to be revealed to us when we read the book of Revelation. Am I I preaching something crazy or should that be our expectation? Now what most, if I could give an analogy, what most people who teach the book of Revelation do symbolically is they dump the cereal into the bowl and then they eat the box. That would be really weird too, wouldn't it? Because they go into this mindset of this is what is expected in this book, therefore I'm going to just be afraid, I'm going to be scared, I'm going to be looking for end time events instead of looking for A revelation of Jesus Christ. Does anybody want a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what I'm here for. Come on, just just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you and just, just say, open the eyes of their spirit today in Jesus' name. Open the eyes of their spirit. That's what Elijah did to his servant, and he was opened up into the realm of, he could see angels at that point. How many want to look into the spiritual realm? Come on, I'm serious. Like, you got to be hungry for these things. You got to be hungry to see into the spirit. There's things being revealed right now that cannot be understood just by your mind. You have to see spiritually, and you have to understand what it means to look into the spiritual realm and to see. And the first thing is to actually pray. Lord, I want to see into the spiritual realm. And that's what we are invited to do through the book of Revelation. So the the title of the book of Revelation is actually called Apocalypsis. Everybody say Apocalypsis. 
And when you hear that word, most of the times, most Bible teachers will think of apocalypse. This is the end times. This is a study of how bad it's going to get in the end times. And so a lot of people are scared to teach on it, to talk about it. There's a piece of paper I have under the cereal there, if you can give that to me here, too. Apocalypse actually means, and if you could bring up this next slide, it it's a Greek word, apo, which means to lift, and kalupto, which means to veil, hide, or cover. So it could be translating, the Re book of Revelation is uh, unveiling, it's a lifting up, it's an uncovering of something that is already there. So is the book of Revelation, is it a book that reveals the coming of Jesus to us, or is it a book that's unveiling the coming of Jesus from within us? What if the next great event of the church is the unveiling of Jesus Christ in his body? We've been looking to the skies when maybe we should be saying, come, Lord. Did I open up a can of doves this morning? Yeah. Something for each of us to chew on. And throughout the, the rest of the summer, I'll be touching, we'll be going through the book of Revelation. And I am not a scholar on the book of Revelation, but can I tell you, it's a book of symbols. And to understand the book, you have to have understood the other 65 books of the Bible before it so that you can understand the symbolism that's happening in the book of Revelation. So it's like the final exam. You know when you're in class and you take the final exam? It's a accumulation of all the other quizzes you took up to that point. And you will probably do well on the final exam if you've done well on the other 65 quizzes you took that semester. Am I making any sense this morning? So why do most people fail the book of Revelation? Because because they didn't study the other 65 books. So I'm going to invite you into this book this morning. That's my goal this morning. I want, I want to welcome you. I want to get you guys excited about the book of Revelation. So the first thing I want you to do, write down if you have your bulletin, is to embrace this book. <laughs> embrace it. It's the last book in the canon, in the New Testament of the 66 books of the Bible, the 27 in the New Testament. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And notice, it's not plural. It's not the book of revelations. I mean, I probably said that all my life. Revelations. Hey, do you like the book of revelations? No, it's one revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because what had happened up to that place is his own disciples didn't fully understand who he was. And I believe, and we'll talk a little bit more about the timing of this book, the when, the where, the who, the why. 
But it was given, as we can see this in the very first verse of this, by, of this book, in Revelation 1.1, it says, this is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. This is peanut butter cereal. Okay, so what are you expecting? We should expect more of the same. You following me? Some preachers, especially in the book of Revelation, they don't read the lines. They read in between the lines. Can we read the lines this morning? This is the unveiling. This is the apocalypto. <laughs> the unveiling, the revealing of Jesus Christ, of what was there that we didn't see to reveal it fully, which God gave to him to share with his loving servants what must occur swiftly. I think a better translation is the word suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. So the Father gives this revelation to Jesus Christ to share with John. So then Jesus gives it an angel to share with John. And in the first book, you'll see there's a whole outline. Next week, we'll be talking about the, the seven churches. And you're going to see the number seven over and over in the book of Revelation. This The person, I mean, we, we know John wrote this, but it's put together in sevens everywhere. Or multiples of seven. So that the, the word lamb is 28 times. The word the, the name of Jesus is 14 times. It, it was it, it was supernaturally written. But the word, the number seven often has to do with this idea of completion or perfection. So we'll hear about the seven spirits or the seven stars or the, the seven churches. And it was spoken to a particular people at a particular time. But it also is to everyone who has an ear. Now I want you to check, make sure, look at your neighbor, make sure they have an, they, make sure they have an ear, okay? Because it says, he who has ears, okay? Yeah, most of them, most of them, okay. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So this was not just for a few different churches, but it's for everyone that has ears. So that, I think, belongs to all of us. And these are events that are going to take place suddenly. And it doesn't mean necessarily that they were going to happen right away when, when Jesus gave this revelation. But once they happened, they would, boom, they would happen. And so what I have to do throughout these next couple weeks is unpack. I have to, <laughs> I have to first unteach revelation. I have to unteach you, and then I have to reteach you. It's not fair. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to get my salary doubled hopefully this week. You know, come on. Right? That'd be a good thing right there. But it's going to happen swiftly. And this book was written for his loving servants. Any loving servants of Jesus out here? <laughs> it wasn't written for these gloom and doom people. It wasn't written for unbelievers. It wasn't. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ to those who love him. So that's a prerequisite of this course is you have to love Jesus. Or you're not going to get the understanding or the vision of this book. It is not an apocalypse of the end times events. 
It's the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's to his loving servants. This is a Greek word called the doulos. The doulos uh, in, in the Greek refers to a Hebrew servant who served his master for seven years. Back in the ancient, ancient times, if you came into a place where you couldn't pay for your family or take care of your family, you would sell yourself as a bondservant to someone else for about seven years. And what this picture of a, a person who was in debt, who sold themselves to someone who had resources and finances, and at the end of the seven years, when it was time for them to go, they said, I love it here. I love my master. I love my job. I don't want to leave. Can I be your servant forever? That's what this word is referring to. Exodus 21 says, but if the, the bondservant or the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door of the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. So we talk about pierced ears. Anybody got pierced ears here this morning? That was a picture of just saying, put my ear on the doorpost, run an awl, a nail through it, because I want everyone to know that my master is so amazing, he's so loving, living with him is so great, that I want to be his bondservant forever. Is anyone here feel like that about Jesus this morning? You ready to get your ears pierced this morning? Come on, let's do it. But that's a picture. That's a picture of what the loving servant is. And so as we study this book, it came to a, a man by the name of John. And John is known as the beloved disciple. And I kind of feel bad about how we've, we've kind of shown John as kind of a feminine, haven't we? He lays his head on the, on the, on the, on, on the chest of Jesus and pictures kind of show him he's not the manly man. How many have that picture of John? And I think it's, it's, it's what they've done to him at the Last Supper and different things. But did you know John was, was a very successful man? His, his dad owned a fishing boat, a fishing business. He was so popular that even the high priest knew who he was. And this was a man that would call, he was called, him and his brother James were called the sons of thunder. They were willing to call thunder down now. Calling, calling the destruction upon this town. And Jesus like, chill out. Whoa, okay. So he was not some kind of a feminine guy here. He was, he was a man's man. He was the only disciple that showed up at the foot of the cross when Jesus was suffering. I mean, you've got to have some guts to do that. Everyone else was a chicken, but not John. John stayed there, and he was... He was with his Lord and Savior to the final moment. That's a friend. That's a friend. He was no small man. He, he was actually the pastor of Ephesus. And he went suffered terrible persecution because of his faith. He was actually the only disciple in his, that, that they said that never, that just died a natural death. They tried to kill him, but he still died a natural death. But John was a John was a tough guy. He was a strong, he was a strong man. He was, he was faithful. When Jesus was on the cross, he told John, take care of my mother. 
mother, this is your son. Son, that's your mother. John was a powerful, strong man. And it says this in Revelations 1.9. I, John, am your brother and companion in tribulation, the kingdom and the patience that are found in Jesus. I was on the island of Patmos because of the ministry of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of historical belief that John was cast away here as a prisoner. A lot of times you'll see movies that John is, is like chained up and he's in his little cave writing. I may have seen that before. And it, it's not historical because, number one, it, if you wrote anything, you had to have a professional scribe to do it for you. So John dictated what he had seen. And you had to have some means to be able to do that. You know, today we can text. It doesn't cost us anything. But back then, if you wanted to write something, the paper itself would be days' worth of wages. It was very difficult. And John was a man of influence. And it doesn't necessarily say that John was on that island. It says because of the ministry of the word and the testimony of Jesus, he could have been on the island of Patmos ministering the word of God. Some scholars or some translation will say, I was in exile, but that's, that's not in the Greek. It could just mean he was there. Now, it could also mean that he was, he was exiled there because of his stance for Jesus. There's historical evidence that he was apparently boiled in hot oil and he wouldn't die. And so they cast him to this isle, uh, this island named Patmos. Everybody say Patmos. Now, Patmos was a small, rocky island roughly 10 miles long and 5 miles wide. The vision came to him while he was on the exile, was when he was apparently in exile on the island of Patmos, which means to trample on. It means to crush. And I think the word of revelation today is for a people that's persecuted, a people that's being trampled on, a people that is dying and suffering. This is a word for us. This is a word, this is a now word for the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? So you and I, we can join with John in understanding what it means to live a life of persecution. But if we want to understand the book of Revelation, it's not going to come through our faithful stud studying and understanding it through the mind. It's going to come through a spiritual revelation encounter with the one who wrote the book and who got the vision. That's the most important thing that we have. And so it's not about understanding the scroll, because he used to write on scrolls back then, but it's about eating the scroll. That's the next thing you can fill in. You're going to have to eat the book of Revelation. So go ahead and tear a couple pages out of your Bible right now. We have some mayonnaise in the back you can put on those pages, and let's just, let's just eat this thing up. But wait, what do you mean eat the scroll? You know, how many say your you know, mom says, here, study this, and you go, what? Does it make sense, right? <laughs> Come on, does it make sense to you? No, it doesn't make sense. But there is biblical precedence that we're not trying to understand this book literally. When we, there's a literal understanding, and I want to take you through the four different levels of understanding. Some people say there are seven, but there's a literal understanding of the Bible, and that's good. But then there's another level of understanding that we need to get to, and another one, and another one. 
And I want to get down to the deepest level of understanding of this book. And that's in the spirit. That's when, it, that's when there's understanding of the mystery of the Bible. So there's a, there's a literal understanding. And the first one, it's called the Peshat. Everybody say the Peshat. And it that means that there's a literal meaning to everything in God's Word. But can I tell you that if you just study the book of Revelation and take it for just its literal meaning, that you probably will miss it. You will miss it, actually. And what happens, and let me tell you what happens whether it's your dream interpretation or even studying the book of Revelation, is we need to step out of our literal mind and get into the presence of God and, and understand what he's saying. How I many know oh, God's language is not Hebrew, English, Japanese? It's pictures. He loves to speak in pictures. What is the book of Revelation? It's a book of pictures. Let me explain to you how you can get in trouble with the literal meaning. Remember, Peter one time was hungry. And he was on the rooftop of a house. And at this point in Christianity, the only people that were hearing the gospel were Jewish people. The, all the disciples were Jewish. Everyone that they preached to was Jewish. And there was no concept that the gospel was going to go beyond the Jewish people. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Does that sound kind of weird to you right now? Because it's actually opposite right now. We think, well, the Jews can't receive Jesus. They're Jewish. And it's actually the opposite. And they thought, you know what? It's us foreign no more. It's us Jews. We got Jesus. And then God began to reveal to them, no, I want you to be a light for the Gentiles. You follow me so far? I want you to be the light for non-Jews. But back in Acts chapter 10, they didn't even have a clue that was what Jesus was going to do. They were like, huh? Jewish, non-Jewish people following our Messiah? No, come on, that's a good one. <laughs> no clue. So what happens is God has to give Peter a dream. And it says this, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. He fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds in the air. And there came a voice to him that said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. If you're a hunter today, that can be your life verse. Kill and eat. But what does Peter respond? He said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Now, if you read the Bible, you read especially in the book of Leviticus, it tells you a Jewish person... Eat this and don't eat this. And Peter was a good Jewish person. He wasn't eating bacon or lobster or crab. He was like, no, nah, I don't touch that stuff because it's not clean. And so Peter has this dream and, you know, lobster and bacon and all this stuff's coming down on the sheet. And, you know, the bacon double cheeseburger from Burger King. You know, I'm not eating that. And what does God say to him? And the, there was a voice that came to him. He says, what God has made clean, do not call common. What would be the literal translation of this verse? Hey, guys, God says we can have the bacon double cheeseburger at Burger King now. I've just received this revelation. I saw it in a vision. 
I can have the Baconator. Was that what the Lord was trying to tell him here? That would be a literal interpretation, correct? God said, don't call unclean what I've called clean. But then you see the circumstances, then these Gentiles show up, these non-Jewish people show up, they've had an encounter, and Peter's like, oh, that's what you mean. You see how dangerous it can get if we interpret the Bible literally and don't go deeper. And if you're trying to interpret the book of Revelation in Peshat, you're in trouble. So we have to go another deeper, deeper level. You guys with me this morning? Why did they crucify Jesus? They crucified him because of this statement that he made that about the temple. He said that if you destroy this temple, I will rebuild it in three days. Jesus said that, and the high priests, they interpreted that literally, and so they killed him. How many know if we go after a literal interpretation of the book of Revelation, we're going to miss it? We're going to kill this thing. That's what the early church did. That's what, the, that's what the Jewish people had with the revelation. They took a literal, took literally Jesus' words that they killed him for it. So be aware of the journey that we're making here. The next level of revelation is remez. Everybody say remez. This is the Hebrew word for hint, and that it is that aspect of God's word that causes us to question or dig deeper. I would encourage you as you're reading the Bible, if you stumble on a word you don't understand, go deeper with that word. Or a word or a certain portion of it just jumps out. Study it deeper because God is inviting us. He doesn't hide things from us. He hide, hides things for us. And he's causing you to dig deeper for those treasures. And people will say, oh, no, there's nothing in there. But if God puts it on your heart that there's something in there, dig deeper. That's called the, the remez. And there's treasures yet to be discovered by the body of Christ. The third level of revelation is called the Darash, which is, uh, there's a, a Jewish writing called the Midrash. And Darash means to study or to inquire. This level of spiritual understanding opens up to us as we turn aside to see more what he is speaking beneath the surface level. How many are ready to go a little deeper in their study? How am I ready to get untaught some of the book of Revelation? Because there's a number of things that I want to point out about the book of Revelation that many of you assume are part of the story that are not part of the story. The word rapture. Rapture. It's often taken, even though this word's never found in the scriptures, if you put up 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, it says this. It says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together. Everybody say, caught up together. With them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So it's a picture, oftentimes, what the we call being caught up 
is a picture of what happened in ancient times when, a, when an army would come and conquer a city. There would be a walled city, and a very powerful army would then make the call. Those who are on the side of the opposing army in the city come out now. And they would come out of the city and come in behind the victorious king who's about to march in and take over the city. That's a picture of the rapture. We are being taken up to come behind him to come back in and take the planet. Did you know their job is not to get to heaven? It's to bring heaven here. That's the, that's the ultimate restoration goal. We think we're going up to heaven when heaven is actually descending here. So when we focus on this idea of the rapture of being rescued, it actually puts the church at a stance of a, of a victim. Like we're victimized, we need to be rescued. And there are people in the world today that are, are victimized and that truly need rescued. But for many of us in America, we need, to, we need to shift our position and say we need to be letting Christ be unveiled in us. We need to start bringing heaven to this planet. That's, that's the picture. We're not waiting for to, the rapture to happen so that we're rescued. We need to be faithful. We need to work the planet here. We need to be faithful. Will he find faith when he returns? The other thing is the Antichrist. Let me read this quote by uh, Harold Eberly. He said, Christians will not be taken away into heaven, but they'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and then continue with him as he descends back to the earth to rule and to reign. The ground that you're standing on right now is going to be ruled and reigned over by Jesus and his Father. He's coming back. This should get you excited, okay? This should get you excited about what is about to take place. The Antichrist. Now, many people think the Antichrist is a person. Given Somebody gives birth to this Antichrist. But let me explain to you. The Antichrist is not once mentioned in the book of Revelation. And the four times it is mentioned in the Bible, it's called a spirit. And it's called that it's already here. Well, that messes with my theology. Well then your theology is wrong. It's a spirit. The Antichrist is a spirit that's already here. 1 John 4, 13. 1 John is the same author of the book of Revelation. He says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. I must have had the wrong scripture up there. Uh, but we'll get that. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. That's the wrong scripture, but let me get the right one for you. So we can see that this spirit, the spirit of the Antichrist is here. It's now. It's already here in the world. We also talk about a lot about the mark of the beast, which is mentioned in the book of Revelation. So we had the rapture, the Antichrist, and the mark of the beast. For most of you, those are the three highlights of the book of Revelation. Let's be honest. And it's not your fault. It's because someone poured you a box of peanut butter poppers and ate the box. They didn't feed you what was in the box. They fed you the box. So these are the three things. When we talk about the, the mark of the beast, did you know in Ephesians it says that you're actually marked 
by God himself. And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. He has marked you with the seal. We should talk more about the seal of God than the mark of the beast. That's where our emphasis should be. And oftentimes you'll see what the Jewish people would do because they would say, put the word of God on your hands and on your foreheads. And so if, if you ever have seen uh, some people in the, uh, the Hasidic Jews, they actually have a little box of a little box of the Torah or, or scripture right on their head and on their hands. Have I ever seen that before? I mean, that's a picture of we're having the word of God on our hands and, and on our thoughts. And that's a picture of what we should have. So, again, we're interpreting these things literally instead of where we need to go, which is called sod, which is the fourth. And this is the deepest level of revelation of the word of God. Sod is the Hebrew word for secret or mystery. So we look in the book of Revelations 10, verse 9. He says, so I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, now study it. Get your glasses and study it. No, he didn't say that. He said, eat it. Eat it. So you need to feed your spirit today and eat the book of Revelation. Not literally. But digest it so that you will have an understanding of who Jesus really is. Revelations 1.20. And again, Revelation 1, I would encourage you to read that this week. It's an outline for the entire book. And what happens is it describes, he says, he'll talk about the mystery of the lampstands, the seven stars, the seven lampstands, which are the seven churches. And the seven stars in my right hand are the seven messages of the seven churches. And that's Revelation 1.20. So you have this picture. John is saying, listen, this is what we're going to address, and we'll talk about the seven churches next week, which is Revelations chapter 2 and Revelations chapter 3, to give you a better understanding. I'm just trying to lay a foundation for you this morning. You guys doing okay? A little perspective. Unteach the book of Revelation so that maybe you'll begin to understand this is a revelation of the risen, glorified Christ. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on the cross. He didn't stay in the grave, but he's coming back to planet Earth. But Jesus is already here in us. And what if? The unveiling of Jesus Christ is when he comes alive in us in the local church and people begin to see who he really is again. You see, the Lord doesn't show up at places because all their theology is correct. And I love theology. Thank you for letting your pastor study and embrace the word and get deep into the languages. Thank you for that. I, I, I take that as something that I love to do and I honor and I love his word. But he doesn't show up here on Sunday mornings because of my correct theology. He shows up for a heart that is hungry, a heart that is passionate, that wants more of Jesus and wants more obedience in his life. It's not how much you know, it's who you know. And what's the passion level in your life right now? You want to daily encounter him and find him. 
in the, in the way that you passionately serve him, the more of his presence will be on your life. How many want more of his presence on their life? Amen? So we continue. We, the last thing we want to say is we want to embrace the book. We want to eat the scroll. And the third thing is we want to emancipate Jesus. We want to let Jesus out of us. That's the goal of the book of Revelation, is that we see ourselves. We see ourselves as the, the seven churches. We look at seasons of our lives where we've, we've been this way or been that way, and, and, and we're called to be overcomers. This is what you will get when you overcome. It's not just being a believer, but it's being an overcomer. This is where we have to see ourselves, getting a different picture of who you are and what, what Christ has called you to do. But we're, we're letting him out. And this is what Colossians 1.27 is. Colossians and Ephesians are two similar letters, but I believe they were written at the same time. But I can tell you, Paul, when he wrote these letters, he was on a whole different level. He saw Jesus in the heavens. He understood what the glory of God was about. He said to the Colossians, he said, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. So he's about to reveal a glorious mystery. He's about to reveal something glorious. And what does he say? Christ in heaven, the hope of glory. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ unveiled to us in the sky from heaven. It's pretty good. But what if it's Jesus revealed, unveiled in us? Christ in us, the hope of glory. The book of Revelation is the only book of the entire Bible that promises you a blessing, a joyous blessing when you read it. Only book, only letter. Hey, if you read this, by the way, you'll get blessed. How many believe that the enemy has done everything he can to keep us from opening this book up? When we have the promise, the promise in this book, in Revelations 1-3, a joyous blessing rests upon the one who reads this message and upon those who hear and embrace the words of this prophecy for the appointed time is in your hands. Revelation 1.3. So three things that I want to close with this morning. Number one is that this book will reveal Jesus to you. How many think that's a good plan? Jesus is going to be revealed to you like you've never seen him before as you're reading this book. Number two, ready for this one? Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to release a blessing on you. <laughs> I don't know. You, you like to be blessed? Does this church like to be blessed? <laughs> I love it. I'm like, yeah, help me out, God. I, 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 need, I need a blessing. I need a blessing. So what do you do? Open up the book of Revelation and say, God, all right, I'm, I'm here. Because you promised me a joyous blessing will rest upon me. And number three, 
It's going to provide hope. It's going to provide hope for you. But can I tell you, the greatest hope you can have is not Jesus returning, but it's knowing the Son of God lives inside of you and me. That's the hope of glory. You understand how radical and offensive that is to all my friends who have their own interpretation of Revelation? We're looking to the clouds, looking to the sky. Are we distracted from where the real message is? It's going to be unveiled in us. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Come on, just take a deep breath right now. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this book. God, we ask for sod this morning, for revelation of the secrets and the mysteries of heaven. Lord, we put aside the fear. We put aside the things that we believed about this book that have been keeping us from knowing your son Jesus more intimately, more thoroughly. That we haven't seen Jesus the way you want us to see him. So I release revelation right now. I release your Holy Spirit right now to confirm these words that have been spoken today. I speak to sick bodies. I command disease to go in the name of Jesus. I speak to dark spirits that have been holding some of my brothers and sisters back in the name of Jesus. I command every foul spirit in this place that is tormenting, Anyone in this room, I command that demon to go right now in the name of Jesus. I command freedom right now in this place this morning. Some of you have been battling the spirit of heaviness. Right now, I command that spirit of heaviness right now to be broken. Broken right now off your life in the name of Jesus. Go right now. Heaviness, we take authority over you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence in this place. Come on, I want you to declare this. Jesus is Lord over my life, over my identity. I am who you say I am, Jesus. And I belong to you. Now come on, just take another deep breath. Hallelujah. Now let's give God some praise this morning. Come on, hallelujah. Father, I thank you right now that you would unveil Jesus in everyone in this place this morning. That Jesus is coming out. He's being revealed, unveiled in everyone, every heart this morning. Lord, do it in our lives today, Father, in the name of Jesus. If you need prayer or ministry this morning, we just want to invite our prayer team to the front. If you need prayer for, uh, for anything in your life this morning, let us pray for you. Guys, thanks so much for being with us. Have an amazing afternoon. We love you. Give somebody a high five. Amen. Also, before you leave, anyone who owns a black GMC Denali, please see me before you leave. It's parked down the parking lot with Indiana plates.
Rutgers off. Thanks for joining us today on Gateway's broadcast of the week. I want to talk to you today about the power of declarations. I know in uh, this time, it's so important that we keep heavenly minded. Uh, we have a lot of stuff going on in our nation currently, and it's so important that we're not allowing the media be, to become or to form our narrative. Uh, we need to have, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God, let him be the one that forms our narrative. And that's something that I believe comes uh, comes against us every day. You know, the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. And through what we declare and what we say, we're actually forming our future because our words are carriers. Like what you speak carries something inside of it, whether it carries faith or it carries fear. And a lot of the words we're hearing today, especially uh, because we are a social media culture, that we have to take, uh, we have to be on the offense. We have to learn how to program our minds because what we say, the Bible talks about this in James chapter three, that the that it, our tongue is the rudder that guides our ship. It guides where we will go in life. And so what I want to share with you today is just some practical stuff, some practical tools that are available to you for free on our website, learning uh, how to make declarations. And what I've put together is 10 daily declarations. I want to take the next 10 minutes and kind of give you a little practical guide of how to use them. Now, the declarations, the idea comes in uh, from the book of Nehemiah chapter 3, that during this time, Nehemiah uh, rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, and he put in Many scholars believe, I believe, 10 gates that are mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 3. And the declarations I'm going to share with you today are based on those gates. And so um, when we talk about declarations, the difference between praying and declaring is a declaration is something you're just speaking out. You're just saying, you know, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not praying to, to the Father to do this for you. You actually are declaring that this is who you are. And I think Christians need to declare more and pray less. I don't know if I can say that, but uh, I guess I just did. Uh, we need to declare so that we understand our position, so that when we pray, we're praying effectively. We're not praying like grasshoppers. We're praying like giants. We're not praying like beggars. We're praying like sons and daughters. So uh, these 10 de declarations uh, are developed. They're based on the Bible. And I want to give you access to these. If you go to our uh, your app store on either uh, Apple or Google, and you search for tithe.ly app uh, or tithe.ly, and this app will come up. You download it, it's free, and then you type in iGateway, uh, the iGateway, um, the letter I and G A T E Y, uh, G A T E W A Y. There you go, I can spell today. And uh, go ahead and put that in, and that'll pull up our church's app. And down at the very bottom, you'll see uh, gates. And what you do is you push the button, and up will come these 10 declarations. Now, many people that uh, I've been uh, working with, I've been giving them these tools so that on a daily basis, they themselves are saying these declarations over their lives. And these are the, the 10 gates they're based upon. This is a little map or diagram that uh, will help understand where each gate is. And you can see that these gates, uh, the sheep gate, fish gate, the old gate, the valley gate, the dung gate, the fountain gate, the water gate, the horse gate, the east gate, and the inspection gate are all the gates that are listed 
in Nehemiah chapter 3. And at each gate, you're actually saying a certain declaration which, um, which reflects the name of the gate or the purpose of the gate. And I go into this in great detail in my, I think it's 12 uh, or 13 week course on the gates of Nehemiah. But I want to give you this uh, information now, just so you can begin to, on a daily basis, make uh, these declarations. Because what you're doing is you're inviting your truth. The Bible says, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So then you're activating this truth through the declaration. Uh, that's, what, uh, that's what our words, our words are powerful. Uh, our words change our future. That by you know the world was created uh, because God spoke, and so in this uh, in this world we live in was created by a declaration, by a word that was spoken. And this is the same way it works in the spirit realm. That when you declare something, uh, something begins to shift, even in our physical realm. That's why I can make a declaration that uh, your thyroid is being healed right now in Jesus' name. Thyroid be healed. Boom, like some of you right now may be listening and your thyroid might have just went pow, you know, I mean, not pow, like exploded, but pow in a good way <laughs> that, uh, you know, because there's activations through the word of God and people think, oh, that's new age or that's crazy. No, man, that's the Bible. Like, dude, Jesus declared things. He spoke things and things happen. So these uh, declarations, again, when you're at each gate, the sheep gate represents covenantal forgiveness for at this gate, we're releasing uh, forgiveness. We're receiving forgiveness. We're giving it. The second gate or the fish gate represents receiving the blessing of God. The third gate represents receiving healing, which is ours based on the covenant that we have. Um, the fourth gate is humility. The fifth gate is dealing with the unclean spirits, demons. Uh, the sixth gate, which is the fountain gate, allowing us to see into the spirit, activating the spiritual gifts. Number seven uh, is the water gate, represents the word of God. Uh, number eight is the, the word, worldly influences or the influences of the world, praying the fear of God over our lives. Number nine is the worship gate or the east gate, which is the gate that uh, Jesus is returning in, uh, worshiping Jesus. That's the uh, wor uh, worship gate or the east gate. And the, number 10 is the inspection gate, which is just a declaration that I will fulfill my destiny. And uh, so these are the 10 declarations that, that are based on the gates of Nehemiah that we're providing for you. Uh, you can go onto our website, you can download them, you can copy them, you can uh, get them on your app. And then this is what I do every morning. I put on, uh, if you, if you um, there's a guy by the name of William Augusto, which has some great soaking music, put on some soaking music. And then I'm gonna go ahead and take you through these next 10 declarations and um, I'm just going to go right through them. This is how I do these on a daily basis. And it takes you maybe 90 seconds to make these declarations. But what's happening is you are beginning to shift your atmosphere, your future, uh, your present um, through your words. And this is something that you do. And just like Nehemiah, uh, he built the walls and built the gates. He, he set the gates. He built the walls. This is what I believe happens when we're making declarations over our life. And uh, once I began to do this, I've been doing this for, you know, five, 10 years, learning how to uh, the power of declaration, um, something just shifts in my, have shifted in my life and so many people who are doing these on a daily basis. So uh, we're going to go ahead and, and go through the, the 10 gates. And um, 
for more information on what everything means that I declare, there's an entire course. You can find this on our website. But for right now, I just I want to give you the, uh, the, the gates starting with the sheep gate. So this is the declaration. Uh, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As I have been fully forgiven, I choose to forgive and show mercy to others. I cast down every accusation, lie, and anxious thought over my life. At this moment, too, I would encourage you, is there anyone you need to forgive? Um, immediately forgive them so that you can receive forgiveness at the sheep gate. And then what we're doing is we're inviting at this gate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and we're forbidding the spirit of Jezebel. And Jezebel is actually the spirit that oftentimes hits us with accusation and lies and anxiousness. And so that's the sheep gate. Number two is the fish gate. In every area of my life, I live in abundance. I am seated at my father's table with everything I need for this day. I am highly valued in heaven, and I overflow in wisdom and generosity when making financial and spiritual decisions. I am free from all worry and poverty thinking. I invite prosperity, and I forbid the spirit of mammon. At the old gate represents healing. I declare I walk in ever-increasing health, energized to accomplish everything I need to do this day. Every person I lay my hands upon will be healed and freed from the power of the devil. I invite healing today, and I forbid the spirit of infirmity. At the valley gate, uh, we declare humility. I celebrate the opportunity today to live a life of total dependence on you. As I humble myself, you are lifting me up to new levels of grace and opportunity. I break off the power of pride, control, and selfishness over my life. And I invite humility. And I invite Yahweh, come and slay the spirit of Leviathan over my life. Uh, this Leviathan spirit is actually what feeds people who walk in pride and control and selfishness. And this is the one spirit we don't attack. We just invite the Lord, according to Isaiah 27, to take his sword and slay that thing over our life. Amen. Um, the, number five, the dung gate is the fire of God. My soul belongs to the living God. I am a legal territory for Satan and his kingdom. I am a partaker in the divine nature of Christ and have authority to cast out demons and to raise the dead. I invite throne room confidence and I forbid the spirit of Python. That's in, found in Acts 16. The fountain gate is where I declare spiritual sight. I am full of God's spirit and I've been given divine strategies and heavenly creativity for my life and for the lives of others. I was created to see clearly into the spiritual realm and to walk in discernment. I invite the gifts of the spirit, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healings, working miracles, prophecy, spiritual discernment, speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. And I forbid the deaf and mute spirit over my life. Uh, the water gate, I declare the word of God. I am highly motivated to share Jesus and to be a light in this dark world. I will be led out of temptation and will be delivered from all evil. Because of Jesus, my influence will be felt for hundreds of years and I will walk in the fear of the Lord. I invite the spirit of truth and I forbid the spirit of the Antichrist. The horse gate, ungodly influence. I, Father, I thank you for the fear of the Lord over uh, my life and to keeping me strong in the midst of ungodly influences. Uh, set me ablaze with love and overflowing with power and love and self-control. I invite open doors and boldness in my life and I forbid the spirit of lawlessness. Uh, right now at the East Gate, right now I demolish any lack of enthusiasm I have about worshiping Jesus. I am a temple of skin, a place where God dwells. 
and where Jesus is continually worshiped. I invite freedom and joy over my life, and I forbid the spirit of heaviness. And the, the inspection gate, I declare the decisions I make today are producing blessing for my future generations. I was created to fulfill my destiny and be joined together with others who will do the same. May my God-given skills increase and further develop as I carry contagious hope and increasing favor in all I do. And I invite divine appointments over my life today, and I forbid the spirit of timidity. Now, these 10 declarations that I've just went through are available to you. Go to www.igateway.org. There's other resources there that may help you fill in some of the blanks of what each gate means. Again, we're doing battle, and the best way we can do battle is through establishing, affirming our beliefs through uh, the power of declaration. And because the power of life and death is in our tongue, we have to use our tongue accordingly. And so after I do these declarations on a daily basis, then I begin to pray. And then I have 10 prayers that are just praying for whether it's my spouse, my family, my staff, uh, political leaders, uh, movie stars, whoever God has called me to pray for. These, uh, these 10 prayers based on the gates of Nehemiah also help me uh, stay focused when I'm praying for people. And so, you know, that's what the purpose of this talk was today is to, to let you get, uh, get a little bit, uh, maybe a quick overview of how to do declarations because it's the heart of, uh, it's my heart, the heart of the ministry here at Gateway Church is to equip you and empower you to do everything that Jesus did. And declarations are the first step. It's one of the, the best ways, I believe, to, to, to jumpstart your day, to focus um, focus your mind, get yourself adjusted, get yourself aligned with God's truth through the power of declaration. And that's one of the things that we like to do is equip you with the tools to do that. Because when you confess these things and you believe these things, then what you're doing is you're, you're establishing the walls around your life. You are, you are establishing the gates and you're, uh, you know, providing this, this spiritual covering for your life through the words that you are speaking over yourself. Uh, and as, as a believer, it's so important that we pray for our, we, we declare over ourselves because it shows that we love ourselves and we know without truth uh, being established through declarations in our life that um, we'll be tossed in, and blown like the wind, you know? And so it's time for you to begin to do this for your life so that you can be effective for the kingdom of God. And these tools, we want to get into your hands. So for more resources, go to our website, www.igateway.org. Man, it's been a pleasure to be with you and share this exciting uh, series on gates, these exciting declarations. Um, these are tools that will help you. And let me get them into your hands and begin to see how your day begins to operate differently because you're making these declarations over your life. Hey, I'm Pastor Chris Monahan. Thanks again for joining me for this quick session uh, this week. I love you. Let's pray for God's kingdom to advance over our region and over our nation. I love you. God bless you. See you soon.